Welcome back to Decadorks with 12-Sided Guys. We have Matt as Pine. Hi. Artis. Ahoy hoy. <laughs> and Tikris. Holy crap. <laughs> Scott as Roos. That's me. Ember. That's me. And Darden. That's me. <laughs> Sabrina as Nari. Hey there. Hop. Yo. And Adressa. What's up? <laughs> Jordan as Richter. Good evening. Bert Bertram. Howdy do. <laughs> and Yastin. Hi there. <laughs> <laughs> and that son of a bitch, Iremio, played by this son of a bitch, Paul. Hey, don't talk about my mom like that. <laughs> You guys, things are chugging right along towards the inevitable encounter with Aramil. We're super excited to see how everything goes down, and making it this far into the podcast must mean that you love what we're doing, and a great way to show that love is by telling other folk about our podcast. You can do that through ratings and reviews, word of mouth, or even a giant billboard campaign in your city, town, village, or hamlet, i.e. get a 12-sided guy's t-shirt, or maybe buy a sticker. Or rent a billboard <laughs> for us. Or a 12-sided guy's tattoo. Yes, that that would yes, that has been uh, bandied about from time to time. I heard that people have been considering that. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> I meant the people as in the royal we. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, don't forget Patreon has bonus content and I've been streaming on Twitch. If you want to know when I'll be streaming, I announced that on the Discord. So go check that out as well. Um, you can get that the link for the Discord in the episode description and you can chat with us and other fans. Anyway, if you still don't know whether there are 12 or 13, maybe 14 actual endings of Chrono Trigger, then don't worry because neither does the internet and this podcast is for you. It's the Crystal Codex episode 109. they have all the normal ones and then the ones where you didn't get magus to join you i've never not gotten magus to join me because you can kill him yes you can yeah why would you ever want to do that though you can also you can beat the game at so many different points in the story yes so anyway the internet says i saw a youtube video where it's like hey all 12 endings and i saw another one said all 13 endings and then there was an article that said the 14 endings of chrono trigger so who knows but anyway Maybe they can't. Maybe they're counting one of the endings. Like, so you can beat it right at the beginning if you do a new game plus. But you can. But you have the option to do it with just you and Luca, or just you and Marley, or with you and Luca and Marley. Oh, that's true. I only ever did it with me and Marley as like the first beating it right off the bat. You did it with Marley and me. That's great. Oh, oh guys. Fun oh, talk. <laughs> There's at least as many endings as there are Gerards. <laughs> at least as many. Again, like, we're going to end this campaign by going to the moon and finding a whole village of Gerards. <laughs> and that's where I want to settle down. <laughs> the only difference between them is the cud that Porthos is chewing oh, smells different. Oh, oh gosh. Oh, golly. 
Well, hey, welcome back to the city of Almar. Last time we were together, we had a fun time. Uh, we had uh, uh, Roos and Richter and Nari managed to get um, a room at the High House uh, of the Senate there in Almar so that they could have a meeting with all of the important folk who are uh, dealing with the inevitability and the end that is coming. Uh, we also had Pine go and step in it multiple times he went up to see his daughter and ended up telling tristan that oh by the way i killed your dad um in a duel um that was fun <laughs> like the first thing out of my mouth <laughs> yes <laughs> so that meeting actually got cut short sanya informed tristan that he couldn't challenge pine on the ship uh, and that if he wanted to stay her pupil that he couldn't challenge mr pine at this point in time uh then as pine was leaving uh the angel's might he bumped into an old friend or two or four uh the jv team had arrived in almar yeah friend <laughs> well, maybe one friend one acquaintance and then two hostile um, <laughs> I wouldn't say hostile, suspicious. <laughs> one friend and one person who you wanted to be better friends with, yes. Yes, the JV team and uh, had arrived here in Almar and Pine had run into them and they managed to uh, discuss kind of some of the things going on, had some lighthearted conversations, some connections were made between artists and Pine as well as Hop and Pine. And then Pine went over to the Allele Eagle and spoke with Sydney as well as uh, Jessamine uh, and uh, Daffodil, who were two of the, uh, the Ormex aboard the ship and invited them to the meeting that was going to happen as well. And um, Roos and Richter and Nari headed over to see if they could buy some more healing potions. They ran into Gerard, um, who was a little less, uh, less, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Salesman-y than normal. Um, he seemed a little bit tired from helping out with cleaning up from the tidal wave, but they, uh, Roos and Richter and Nari were able to buy some healing potions as well as get a few gifts from Gerard. As the day went on, uh, Pine and the JV team arrived back at Richter's house just as Richter, Roos, and Nari arrived there. The um, Snow Patrol was there as well. The uh, four folk who'd come down from the north, from the Glass Mountains, Tikris, Adressa, oh my gosh, there's lots of names, um, uh, Darden and Yastin uh, had all arrived there as well. Um, as Sherry, <laughs> Sherry's, as stories were shared and drinks were had, uh, the day passed until night began to fall and it was time for this conference to begin. Hey Darden, that, uh, that rabbit's pretty cool. And I like mime to him rabbit and thumbs up. Rabbit, really thumbs up, dude. Nari will help translate. <laughs> there you go. Darden like <laughs> stares at him and says, "Thumbs up." Just gives a thumbs up <laughs> and points at the rabbit, and then points at Pine again, and then talks a little louder. <laughs> Nothing is understandable. <laughs> he said that he loves it and uh, he appreciates he appreciates the compliment. <laughs> Amazing right. Smith. The hand gestures are getting bigger. <laughs> yes. Yes, really, really cool. Big cool. He's very excited to see you. 
He's pantomiming, <laughs> he's pantomiming like getting knocked unconscious and like he's going, he's trying to say so much, but with no words. Oh man, that looks rough, man. Oh yeah, that, that's too bad, but really cool. All right. As you guys go across town with not only uh, the uh, the snow patrol, but also with the JV team in tow, um, you approach the high house. Hey, Bartos. Wait, is Bartos here? <laughs> Damn, He's just chilling in the, the corner. Whole, the whole gang's here. Oh man, this would be a really bad time for Bartos to try to ambush us. We're not <laughs> ready for him at all. As you guys approach the high house, um, all 12 of you moving through the streets, along with a falcon wolf and um, a metal rabbit. You guys approach the high house. You enter in through the main doors. Um, you uh, see that there are some guards in there. There is the steward who um, who you saw earlier in the day. Um, and he directs you back uh, through the building and through another door, down a hallway, and into this um, other chamber. As you walk in to this uh, very well-dressed uh, chamber, there's this small little vestibule with some benches and then it opens up into this large room. And the large room is, it's similar to the auditorium in that the main part of the room is a step down, but there's no stadium seating. There's no seating for uh, for observers. There are a couple of benches along the wall and you can see that some of those benches are occupied. Um, a few of the people sitting on these benches up here up above um, are some of the um, people you recognize as the acolytes of Lord Laramie, these uh, swordsmen and sword swordswomen who um, have uh, accompanied uh, Master Saman here in Almar. Um, you can see sitting over on another bench as you walk past, you see Harvid, you see um, Tristan's um, Weasley little manservant, his little yes man, who um, was always following him around uh, and encouraging him. Um, as you step up to the banister and look down upon uh, the the step down area of this chamber, you see this massive table. And we're talking, we're talking like 60 feet long. It is huge. Um, you can see that many of the chairs are occupied. You see a lot of familiar faces. You see um, that Tigish from Howling Talon, this uh, scaled, um, regal, not regal, uh, suave looking uh, kind of dragon man wearing Barastian style and actually making it look good, is there sitting next to Master Saman. Master Saman is down here wearing a gray, uh, like a gray doublet over a blousey shirt, his tan skin and, and slick black hair. Um, looking uh, very composed. Next to Saman, you see Sir Bordemus in his plate mail with his long cape and his red skin and black horns. And next to Bordemus, you do see Tristan is here sitting alongside Sanya. Um, they are um, sitting uh, kind of towards one end of the table and you can see Kira, uh, the queen of Tabri, has taken her seat at the far end of the table. Opposite her, on the other end of the table, you see Nicolette St. Clair, the high speaker, has taken up her seat there. Uh, next to her, you see Marilla, the um, the low speaker of the Minutia Guild. Um, this short, like three and a half foot tall, kind of round woman who um, last time you saw her was during the, uh, the battle in the Senate. Um, Sydney, the fox-eared 
scientist of the Imperium, uh, is here as well, sitting next to Jessamine, painted blue, and Daffodil, painted white with yellow flowers. Uh, Sitting behind Daffodil is another Ormek that you don't recognize, but looks to be in pretty rough shape. Um, Both legs are missing, um, hands are mangled, um, dense and rust, and uh, uh, there is kind of this uh, perpetual shake, almost like, I mean, not to be rude or anything, but like a chihuahua, you know, uh, how chihuahuas kind of have that little shake to them. How could you say that about, about chihuahuas? <laughs> <laughs> so kind of like maybe like an engine, like shuddering, like that kind of thing? Yeah, potentially. Yeah, yeah. Like there's a little click in the in the drive shaft. Do the Harlem shake? Is that? <laughs> no. Is it like a, is it like a shake shack? <laughs> is it like a shake it off? Shake it off. Oh, gosh. Is it like a shake it up, baby? Shake, 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 shake it. Is it like a Polaroid picture? Oh, this is lasting too long. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You agree with me. Thank you, Jordan. (laughs) You know why Jordan said that? It's because he couldn't think of anything else to say about the word shake. So, shut up. (laughs) Oh my gosh! Well, sitting next to Daffodil, you see um, you see two figures that you've met in in passing. Uh, two of the librarians here from the city of Almar, uh, Degory and Zeta. But next to Librarian Zeta, you see a very familiar face that you did not know was in the city, but is another librarian. You see Colbury, former Magister of Tabri, turned um, ally in the Glass Mountains when you shattered the world. And then sitting again at the far end next to Kira on the opposite side of the table from Sanya, you see Brinby, this large, uh, broad, strong man with uh, two horns and dark skin, uh, a great sword strapped across his back. And then a few other figures that you see around. You do see some guards here milling about uh, in this uh, step down area, as well as you see Jasper is sitting on a bench over to one side. And you also see that Gerard is here kind of standing off to one side with Porthos just laying down, chewing his cud, tucked in uh, into the corner of the room. As you guys walk in, you can see there are some seats available for all of you. Um, oh, um, where did Darden go? He's off to the side. I, I saw that there were only four spots there, so I moved him onto a bench. He can't understand anyway, so he's just kind of like staring at everyone. Yeah, and as we enter, Pine is going to take the farthest seat from Tristan possible. <laughs> Roos would probably have sat next to Teagish, if that's okay, uh, Richter. All right, as you guys uh, come in and you take your seats, you see all of these... Uh, former allies and acquaintances, a few new faces, um, but a lot of people that you've um, fought with, shed blood with, some of them that you have fought against, potentially. Some of them that you've lusted after. (laughs) There's there's been some will they, won't they, you know, and um, some will they, did they. (laughs) Are they gonna again? (laughs) Won't they, won't they. (laughs) As you take your seats here at this table, Nicolette stands up and she says, I'd like to welcome all of you here to the High House of Almar for this conference about the inevitability, the angel Iramil, and what is to come. And she looks right over at um, Richter and Nari and Roos, and she says, what is to come soon, we fear. 
All of you are here because you have some insight or some hopefully some knowledge about what is to come and what can be done. And I turn the table over to you. And she points over towards Pine, Richter, Nari, and Roos. So here is kind of what's going to happen. I don't know how this is going to work. Because you guys each have three different characters and you guys have a lot of information. Um, And also there's other information here that other people can share. So why doesn't somebody just get this ball rolling? Uh, Thank you, Lady Nicolette. Um, And thank you to all those who have come uh, from the farther reaches of Pavantas to discuss this very imminent and important uh, event, which is upon us. Uh, namely, the issue of inevitability. I think perhaps it would behoove us to, uh, rather than taking the time to do introductions, maybe we have each of the far-flung groups that have gathered here provide a brief report on the activities uh, that they have been engaged in and some of the information that they bring to the larger body. Um Perhaps we can begin with uh, with Adressa and Tigris and Yastin, and then go from there. I mean, I, that is fine if we start, yeah. So um, we are from the Glass Mountains, is obviously clear. Uh, this is Darden. Richter forgot about him, but he's also here. We receive word from uh, Nari, who is my little sister, uh, that there be a a herald, an angel herald uh, near our home. And uh, we, so we gather army, we go and we attack and we vanquish. In the glass mountains. In the glass mountains, yes. That's where our home is, yes. Yes, yes. (laughs) That's where we're from, is the glass mountains. (laughs) Yes, you can tell. Can't you tell? They're not made of glass, though. Well, that's, you know, very good, honey. Um... (laughs) So they, I mean, we uh, so we gather army, we go and we fight the herald, we win, and we obtain a key, and we bring the key with us down here to the um, big city. And did I miss anything? I just want to. I wish I had a camera so I could see Sabrina's face right now. <laughs> 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 All right, yeah. Did Tickers miss anything? No, that is a pretty good summary of the thing that we did up in the mountains, yeah. The Glass Mountains, where we're from. I Um, do have to say, the Glass (laughs) Mountains, which are not made of glass, just so's you knows. Uh, Yeah, Um, a quick one second here. Darden, uh... Quieres decir algo a este grupo de personas? Son muchas personas que están en este cuarto. No entiendo mucho que están diciendo, pero me puedes decir después. Ah, uh, muy bien. That's Darden. Yes. <laughs> Darden will stand up and say, "Thank you for inviting me to the bathroom." And then he'll sit down. <laughs> Yastin just nods approvingly. Just... Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Mm-hmm. 
I'll, I'll look across the table. I was like, "Hey, hey, Roos, that um, that scarf that you had. What am I doing? My voice. <clears throat> hey, Roos, that scarf that you have that lets you understand the other people, you know, other languages. You think Darn could borrow it just for this meeting so he's not left out? It looks like he understood what we were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Everything seems to be going fine. <laughs> I think the only person out of the characters who doesn't speak Ustranian is Pine. I'm pretty sure. I mean, I, I, Richter might not either. There's plenty of people around the table who don't speak yeah, Ustranian. Yeah, yeah. Yes, there are. Yes, there are. Yes, that's very, very true. Uh, that was a uh, excellent report, and we appreciate uh, what you have brought to us, the, namely this key. Um, this is something that we have seen from other uh, heralds after the after the shattering. These heralds seem to be released into the world, and upon their defeat, uh, they have each provided a key of sorts. Uh, we can discuss this more, but perhaps we continue around the table and uh, and see what other news is out there. Should we go to uh, you, Doctor Sydney, and and our is our esteemed Ormek colleagues? Oh, of course. Um, I would. She stands up. Uh, Sydney stands up. She says, um, "I would. Um, I would defer to Jessamine." And then she sits back down. And then Jessamine, uh, the blue Ormek, kind of looks a little bit uncomfortable to be talking in front of such a large group. But she stands up. She says, um, "Yes. Uh, hello. I'm Jessamine. I am." one of the Ormek people from the Kilava far to the north um, outside of Tabori. I and my group, I guess. And Sydney kind of taps on the shoulder and says, you're doing great. Jessamine <laughs> <laughs> I mean, says, Bruce always called us work colleagues. Maybe that's the word you're looking for. <laughs> I and my work colleagues. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Pine. She says, uh, we have been traveling through Almar to uh, originally to rescue the Ormex to to awaken them because we knew as as many of you now have come to realize that we actually do have souls within within these metal bodies we're not just automatons as most of you have come to realize but um, after the sacrifice of uh, a true hero um, Ebi Ebi's Maragdos the uh, the need for my position to to go and free uh, free Ormex, it, it disappeared, and so instead we've been shepherding those who have awakened, and we have found many many who have awakened, some in worse shape than others, and because we are an ancient people trapped in these metal bodies, a lot of us do have memories from that time, and a lot of us have very good um, intact memories from that time. We actually, uh, we came upon one such Ormek and she turns uh, to the, the the kind of beat up, um, kind of shaking Ormek uh, that's kind of sitting uh, in a chair behind Daffodil. And she says, this is Cyril. And Cyril is a very, um, very interesting, very interesting man that we've met. And uh, he has an interesting tale to to share. She goes and she stands next to Cyril and she kind of puts her hand on his metal shoulder. Again, he's kind of like rusted and and looks like they've like scraped off some of the rust and tried to like clean him up as much as best they can, but she leans down and uh, whispers something to him, kind of encouragement, and you hear this shaky, um, weak voice speak up. And it says, 
Um, I, I am Cyril, and I, I have, uh, I have been to this city before, before all of this. I, I once was a follower of the angel. Gasp. <laughs> Back before the crystal engine. I saw the error of my ways and vowed to fight his dogma and his machinations. But um, while I was in his service, I did see things that that may help us now as we seek to fight him now. And uh, he kind of turns his head and looks at the north wall and uh, he starts to speak again. He says, the angel out there, the, the statue, I remember it being built. I was, I was there working on it. Funny, we, we used the crystal tech that most of my people were using to try to save Pavantis, but we, we used that crystal tech to try to help Iramil. And part of helping Iramil was building that statue to protect inevitability. To protect inevitability? Inevitability needs protection. He kind of turns back around and looks at you and he says, exactly, it's, it's, it doesn't make sense. Could you describe? And eventually. Oh, go ahead. Continue. I apologize. No, eventually it stopped making sense to me. Uh, yes. Uh, young man, what was your question? Uh, could you describe perhaps the, f- the function of that tower or, or like what lies within? The, the tower itself, currently, as I've seen it with my own, he's about to say eyes, and he says, ocular apparati, <laughs> is in its dormant mode. But there is a mechanism that will activate it. It will power up and... I have no reason to believe that it's any less capable than it was when we built it. So powering up is good or bad? Powering up is, (laughs) I was going to say it, inevitable. Powering up is the only way to get in to Iremiel's inner sanctum. See, the angel... That statue out there is a defender of Iramil. It's a guardian. So like a Zord? <laughs> <laughs> and then he pulls out he pulls out a dagger and starts playing it like a flute. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did you did you recruit five teenagers with attitudes? He <laughs> <laughs> says it's not it's not like me it's not you know I can move my arms I can move my head the statue is a different type of guardian but but should someone try to get into the sanctum where Irmiel lies uh, 
The statue will protect it, and the statue must be stopped before before you can get into the inner sanctum. It's a uh, I worked on some of the mechanisms inside. And powering on, the key that uh, the Tikris uh, had spoken of, is that one of the things that would power this on? The power will turn on as a result of you putting in that key. It's not the key that gives it power. It's the key that trips its sensors to turn it on. Great distinction. Well, it, it, it is, because the key doesn't power the angel statue. The angel statue is secondary to the key. The key existed before the angel statue. Interesting. Uh, we have some of the librarians here with us as well. Uh, when we spoke um, a w- week or so ago, There was mention about, um, in the ancient texts, I believe, something about how the keys would open the door to the guardian or something of that nature. Could it be that the statue is the reference to the guardian? The librarian in the middle, uh, librarian Zeta, um, who I believe we kind of talked about her as having like a messy bun, like hot for teacher kind of, kind of vibes. Um, she, uh, she, um, Actually, she as um, Cyril was talking, she was kind of whispering back and forth between herself and then Diggory and then Colbury, kind of uh, comparing notes back and forth. And she speaks up. She says, no, actually, what we found was um, that there is a guardian and a gate and that either the guardian is guarding the gate or the gate awakens the guardian. Uh, it, it, it was not very clear. And then she looks back at Cyril and she says, but what he speaks of is that... If I'm right, and she's kind of asking Cyril, opening the gate will activate the guardian who will then protect the gate. And Cyril nods. Okay. Cyril says, there is a way to deactivate the statue, but it will take, well, it'll take, it'll take a force. And it will take coordination. We're we're fantastic at that, as we could attest from earlier today when I didn't even know when the meeting was going to be and I was recruiting a bunch of people to come. We're great at coordinating. (laughs) And we all showed up right on time. Apparently we were late. Everybody was here waiting for us. (laughs) Everything always turns out great with us. (laughs) Right, Hop? Yes, the uh, the ley lines of death and uh, the shattering of the world and... And my divorce. (laughs) (laughs) You gotta let it go, buddy. My goodness, you're bumming us all out. That has nothing to do with what we're discussing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Uh, Cyril says, um, currently the Guardian is armored, but... When activated, that armor will shed and the power will course through the Guardian and the Guardian will protect the Sanctum. I'm having a hard time forming words. And you see like Jasmine, Jasmine like kind of like uh, pat him on the shoulder and she says, it's okay. It's okay. You just take what time you need. So 
Allow me perhaps to ask a question. If we use the keys that we have been, that we have received, and we essentially open that gate, then presumably the statue is suddenly awakened. It's, it's shielding falls and it begins to act as the guardian according to its form and function. Yes. So opening the gates using the keys would be bad then. Is there... Using the keys. The keys are the keys to Iremil's sanctum. The guardian was set in place after. Does that make sense? The sanctum already existed. We built the guardian to protect the sanctum. Is the sanctum inside the guardian? I think we're going to have to fight this guardian to get to the sanctum. Or at least some of us will. Yes. I think that, I think, Richter, I think what I I understand correctly, I think you're probably closest to the answer. We activate the keys. Whoever's down there, the guardian would then come for them and uh, seek to defend the chamber behind that gate. Is that, is that accurate, Cyril? Uh, I'm going to have him make a, an intelligence check real quick um, to see. Uh, he rolled an eight. Uh, he says, I'm not exactly sure how that works, but I think you are thinking of the Guardian in the wrong terms. Uh, the Guardian is, is not a being. Think of the Guardian as a fortress. A fortress that has to be taken. Okay, so we turn the keys and essentially the fortress activates. Yes, there are, there are two mechanisms in the Guardian. There is a red and a green. And I don't know the difference. I don't know why red and green, but I know two mechanisms and two different paths. Red and green, them are the colors of Christmas. Does that help? <laughs> How festive. They keep saying guardian, but they said it was a fortress. Can we just pick a term and, and stick with it? Yeah, what if we call it like the 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 big bad's house? I think we need to take a vote on this. Uh, let's maybe have someone second the motion and... Uh... I like referring to it as the Zord, but uh, <laughs> the Zord, that is a cool word, huh? Zord, it is the Zord. <laughs> I fully expected like a kaiju to like come out of the ocean when we turn the key. Uh, Nicolette bangs the gavel and says, Zord, Zord it is. <laughs> so I guess, yes. So the statue doesn't come to life and start swinging fists and stuff, is what you're saying. It's something else. Oh, thank goodness. It powers on, and there are defenses, for sure. But uh, there are two paths through the fortress, and both paths must be, must be used. A red path and a green path, a right path and a left path. I'm not sure... Any more than that, I was not working on that. I was working on some of the some of the mechanisms inside to to 
power down some of the uh, the traps, the the defenses. Oh, so you you have you have knowledge then of a way to bypass some of these defenses? It's fairly simple, but it does take multiple people working in unison. Two groups, right and left, red and green, however you want to describe them. And then it also takes, within those groups, it takes unison and communication between those two groups. Right. So if I get this right, okay, so there's there's like, there's somebody down at the gate using one of those keys. And when that happens, it opens the Zord. <laughs> <laughs> as well as the defense mechanisms, yes. Right, as well as the defenses. And then what we need to do then is then two additional teams would need to uh, penetrate the Zord. <laughs> Whoa. It's a, it's a perfectly acceptable word. Um, that was never on the Super Sentai that I watched. <laughs> uh. Anyway, so yeah, they need to infiltrate infiltrate the Zord, and then they're going to uh, uh, divide up. So the, I, I guess what you were saying is... Christmas. 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 <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> That's right, Bert, right. So if I'm understanding correctly, then well, there's like there's like three teams, but in addition to that, there's like other defenses going off. The other defenses are um, designed to protect the gate. So to keep people out of the gate, yes. That's the extent of my knowledge on this, but my brain, my mind, and he kind of like starts tapping his head, doesn't work quite as well as it used to. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I've, I've given you all that I have. And you see him starting to kind of like shudder and, and shake. And it doesn't mean that stands up, puts her hand on his shoulder again. She says, it's okay, Cyril. It's okay. Why don't you rest for now? Honestly, that's far more than we've ever had before. I gotta say, Cyril, you have been—you're invaluable. That information has been fantastic, and uh, I look forward to you getting some rest and and some some care at the Kilava and meeting you again. Yes, we are all deeply indebted to you for whatever reason the lords and ladies preserved you. It is a, a tremendous boon to have your knowledge and insight. Very good. Master Samen kind of speaks up. And he says, "Well." What we just heard from Cyril, I, I volunteer myself and the um, other acolytes of Lord Laramie that I brought with me uh, to be at the gate. And when the defenses are down, to make a push for Iremil. And you can hear back behind you, kind of up above, where those, uh, where the other, like, uh, this, the uh, acolytes are of, of Lord Laramie sitting on the benches. You can kind of hear a little chant of, hear, hear, and yes. Uh, so, and then Samon sits back down. Shall we hear from another group? I mean, that's, um, that's an, uh, rec we recognize your motion, Surreal. Sorry, I'm not in charge. I don't have a, I don't have a Judge Hammer, whatever you call those things. <laughs> judge Hammer. That, that's from Parks and Rec. Uh, <laughs> when, when Heard Happily had a, a, a courtroom show. Like, oh, yeah, and I, I have lost my Judge Hammer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a judge. <laughs> And this is Purd Haplu. Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah Purd. Yeah, heard. You heard with Purd. Yeah, I said Purd. I said Heard, but I'm Purd. Yeah. Uh, so wait, you guys are in charge. You guys, uh, whoever else wants to speak. I, I, I guess right now everybody at this table knows that four keys have been inserted, and you have the fifth key. We'll just say that's already out there. The whole group knows that. But what have what has you and your team been up to? Oh, uh, well. 
you know, we we've been going all over the place. Um, well, gosh, I don't even know where to begin. Um, we we were researching and kind of looking into the legends around things. And, you know, we uh, we, we tried to get information from any Imperial types that we might run into. And it all seemed to kind of point us, um, you know, in in these directions that all dealt with the angel uh, Iremil. So I, I don't know that I'm explaining this very well. Uh, artists or, or, or Hop, uh, I don't, Ember, do any of you guys want to jump in on this? At one point, I found this uh, falcon wolf and I named her uh, <laughs> Captain Ginger Snaps. Call her Ginger. She's a real beauty too. I mean, so <clears throat> let, let me let me look at my notes. <laughs> we spent we spent some time researching these um, the ancient civilization of these Ormex and explored some facilities. Um, we have a chest full of of gear that we hope could help in our efforts to to thwart inevitability, whatever it might be. Do you guys have the chest there with you? I think we would have brought it. Oh, uh, yeah, actually, <clears throat> we totally brought it with us. Yeah, well, we figured you'd all be asking about it. And I think Burton artists probably bring it out and put it up on the table. Vanna White style. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and Bert will say, like, look, so we, we knew that the Empire was working with, like, different kinds of technologies and stuff. So we started kind of you know, pulling on that thread a little bit, seeing what we could learn, seeing what well, what we could find out. And, um, you know, some some of this took us to some uh, these like research laboratory facilities that were all abandoned and, and up in the mountains. And, um, you know, we we decided, you know, we might as well piece together some of this stuff and like and get some of this technology whatever it is that the empire was working on because that might be important for whatever's to come we stole a number of maps too yeah that's true sydney speaks up and says um maps maps from where from the empire we stole lots of maps right it was like a facility near kauta we found a bunch of really cool maps really good ones we kept them in great condition too they were real ripper She's like, yeah. uh, I think you owe me 45 gold pieces. I think it was like 43. 43, honestly, 43. <laughs> uh, I think finders, keepers, losers, weepers. Okay. okay. Are you guys going to open the chest and show what you guys have got? It's the Ark of the Covenant and we all melt. Ah! <laughs> End of campaign. Hey, thanks for playing campaign one. Campaign two will start in uh, eight weeks. Yeah, I think I think we'll pop open the chest. Okay. Um, inside, there are all kinds of different uh, odds and ends. Some, uh, some uh, ancient tech. It looks like there's some tech that is uh, imperial made that is like m- modeled after ancient tech. What about the thing you guys found in um, the underwater uh, facility? Do you show that off or not? You guys don't even know what it is. I'll tell you what it is once you actually show it, if you're going to show it. I mean, it's in the chest, right? It, it, yeah, it is. You guys had to yeah. change it up and everything to keep it secure. Yeah, yeah, we'd show it off. You, um, you pull out this, uh, this small, um, like probably about 
Um, the only thing I can think of is child's basketball size. Um, this ball, um, it's metal. It is uh, very, very shiny. It looks like it's made of all these um, interlocking um, and very uh, smoothly uh, joined pieces of metal. You've got copper, you've got brass, you've got uh, steel, you've got some silver, you've got um, uh, different uh, pieces of metal, but all making this incredibly smooth ball. In fact, as you rub your hands over it, smoothest balls you will feel all day. <laughs> These balls are so smooth, you'd say you'd swear that they must use. Um, um, oh, dang it! What's that called? Mads. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I remember Nads. I, I was going to say, what's. It uh, was an Australian hair removal like pad. They were called Nads. Oh, that sounds I remember painful. It. And oh I remember gosh. reading the box. I was like, I was like, oh, it's safe to rub Nads on your face. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, it's like, it's like Manscaped. They, uh, that, maybe they'll uh, advertise with us. No, it's it's very very smooth. It is um it's incredibly well made. Um and um another thing that you found in this chest with it originally is this um it's like a a little tiara, but it's not like all glamorous. It's like a, a diadem. Is that what you call it? Like just a, a simple band with a small little stone right in the middle over the forehead. And you guys pull those out and place them on the table. Um, as soon as you place that ball down on the ground, uh, Jasper, the Ormec who was aboard the Allele Eagle, the one, actually, no, Jasper, the one who was aboard the Angel's Might, the one who helped Sanya uh, to gain victory over, um, over Way Wayfield Skies. Against King Tenor, this gray painted Ormek, who the last time Nari and the boys saw him was working on a stasis field. He stands up and looks at this ball and this little uh, this little diadem, this little circlet, um, and he kind of walks over towards it, uh, almost entranced. Do you know what this thing does? Because it just, it looked really important, but we're not really sure what it does. He starts reaching out towards it, and then as artist speaks, then Jasper kind of pulls his hand back. He's like, um... The hop is kind of going to stand a little bit guard, seeing that kind of like a little uh, Lord of the Rings style with uh, Precious. It's all right. We thought it was a paperweight until this morning. Honestly, I thought it was a pretty, it was a pretty <laughs> paperweight because it rolls off the table. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the design was so bad for it to be a paperweight. But it's perfect for finding out if your floor is level. <laughs> Turns out no floor is actually level. This perfect sphere just keeps rolling. Um, Jasper um, steps back and says, uh, no, I've, I've seen one of these before. I never thought I would see one again. These were, oh my goodness, these took so much effort. Or I guess I should say this took so much effort um, to build. Um, it is, uh, uh, let me see, uh, similar to, and he kind of looks over at Narin the boys. He says, the, the stasis field I was working on, you, you remember that, correct? The, the platform that had the, the uh, failsafe on it that I managed to get powered back up with Crystal Tech. Remember that? Oh, right. Yeah. The Crystal Pizza Shield <laughs> yeah, stand. Yeah, forget? Yes. And remember, I was able to hold an apple in stasis uh, on, that, on that stand, yes? This is a similar, only much more potent and um, much more, uh, I guess, I guess dangerous. Uh, this is kind of, for lack of a better word, a, a, a portable 
compact stasis field. Like a god trap? Potentially. At least an angel trap, hopefully. Does it work very similar to like an ant trap? Do we have to lure it in? Or is it more like a pokeball? Do we throw it at him? Uh, it, no, it's it, you don't throw it. Uh, you control it, and then he taps the little circlet. Uh, he says, you control it with this. Whoever is going to use it, where's, where's this circlet? And then um, they will have better control over it. But it, th- these are, I mean, this is incredibly um, uh, rare tech. It was not perfected. Uh, it was uh, very um, uh, experimental at the time. But this circlet should help you control it, but you don't want to be touching it once it's activated. Otherwise, it will trap you. I will be the one to use this. Ah. <laughs> uh. And be sure not to cross the streams. That's the other part of this before you deploy the trap. I, 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 all right. I, I will take this responsibility on myself. I will be the one to use these. Tigris, you, you can't do that. You, you have a responsibility to the clan. Oh, that's true. I do have. Yes. And you have a yeah, responsibility you to your thing. sweetheart. They're sitting next to you, too. Uh, Tickers will just look over to dress it with a smile and then look back to everybody else. <laughs> then it's settled and I will take it and do the thing with it. <laughs> okay, you're starting to say, I love it. I love your voice. You're starting to sound less and less like the Yarl of what, Right Run or whatever. And you're starting to sound more and more like Tommy Wiseau. You're <laughs> <laughs> oh, tearing me apart. <laughs> I did not. I did not hit her. I did not. Tell me about your sex life. (laughs) (laughs) You're so funny, Mark. (laughs) Hi, Dougie. Oh, my gosh. All right. uh, Jasper says, no, uh, whoever takes on this responsibility, it is um, uh, imperative that they have um, uh, vast amounts of control over their mind, um, are not easily distracted, are able to focus, um, have very strong, uh, uh, for lack of a better word, in- intellect. Um, this is a very refined weapon. I don't understand this word intellect. What were you saying? <laughs> you said, you said, I'm sorry, you said we need to do what? Can you repeat that? <laughs> He's not very smart and he got distracted. <laughs> so um, so um, Jasper says, um, says so basically, let me kind of explain in game terms what Jasper is trying to explain to you. Um, this is controlled with your mind. Uh, it is literally controlled by your intelligence, your intelligence score. Um, the intelligence score is able to move this around. Uh, the other thing that Jasper explains to you is this is a once- one and done as in if you activate this and let's say it misses or it is um somehow like resisted it's done so you get one shot with this item but he assures you yes this um this was one of our preliminary attempts at potentially trapping iramil um it it was it was determined to be not, um, not uh, uh, refined enough, and we, frankly, I, I, we ran out of time, and we had to 
go a different route. But this potentially could. I don't know what the drawbacks of using it would be, though. Um, the user, the wearer of this circlet could very well um, suffer some ill effects from using it. Uh, I just don't know. I imagine right now the JV team uh, is now finally realizing what it is that they found there in Adrius, deep beneath the water in that old facility, um, the facility on the map that was marked with a sword. Well, we, 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 that's one of the things we found. We also found those Copic jars. And where are those? Everything's in the chest. They're, they're in the chest. They're right here. I mean, <clears throat> they're right here. We found all these Canopic jars as well. At this, all of the Ormex kind of sit up and look. What the miss? What, the, what is going on? Sorry, I was picking under my fingernails. <laughs> Daffodil uh, stands up and then she walks over uh, towards the uh, Canopic jars. And uh, she says, I did not expect any of these to survive the shattering. If I could cry, I would. These are, these are our people. These are their bodies. This is how we, this is how we, um, how we cared for our dead. Before they became, uh, metal people? This is, these, these jars would hold the remains of our people before we made this change. Yes. Back when we flew, back when we soared, back when we were feathered and beautiful. I mean, you're still beautiful. Don't sell yourself short. Yes, that blue is stunning. And Daffodil, that hat. Thumbs up. <laughs> and your big round head is very nice. <laughs> it's so round. Jessamine speaks up and she says, Those are not weapons. If you would allow us, we would love to take those back to the Kilava with us. Funerary urns, I imagine we'd call them. Yes, that makes sense. Of course, of course you can take it with you. All right, um, very good. Should've got a donation, Hop kind of <laughs> grumbles. That's all right, I think we owe that one over there 43 gold. <laughs> oh, okay, well, bodies of your loved ones, priceless, but all right. Uh, if you guys are looking for more, I might be able to... Uh, Help you find them for a price. <laughs> we can talk about it another time, though. You know, don't. No stress. Like after we save the world. Yeah. You know, maybe we can get a, a, like a down payment. Wait, so how did Ember become work colleagues with those guys that were in, in the forest with us? I think it was because of my dashing good looks. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> they're there you you are a stunning man so don't don't fret they're, they're not laughing at you but to be honest we were all kind of lost when we found each other well and ember also remembered helping with uh the rescue of bert she was part of the uh prince of thieves uh campaign way back oh, that's, when, yeah. that episode episode nine oh, six man. or seven <laughs> so long ago oh, no, no. seven or eight crazy that was a long time ago all right um so then Colbury kind of speaks up. He says, this is all wonderful information. Um, so it sounds to me like we have the key and we have heralds that will resurrect in the next few days. 
correct? Like that's still a thing? I think we have like six days before Amavi comes back. That's the one who lives under this city, kind of controls people's minds. So we have six days. Let's say four days. Let's give ourselves a little bit of breathing room. Four days. And my math is is is, is notoriously bad. So, <laughs> so we've got two days uh, before <laughs> we need to enact a plan. Is that what I'm gathering? Thirteen hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we should have done it five minutes ago. But, let's um, do it now. <laughs> all right. Let's go. It sounds to me from what Cyril said is that we have somebody at the gate, and then we have. Two groups that need to get into the Zord. <laughs> I can't believe we're going into the Zord. <laughs> it's too late. It's canon. He looks totally perplexed now. Like, why you guys are laughing at calling it a Zord? It's like, that's that's as good a name as any. Oh, Matt is laughing. Pine is like, yeah, Zord. That's a great name. It's like a sword, Richter, but it starts with a Z. That sounds totally metal, and I love it. <laughs> Colbury stand, stands up, and he says, I... Whichever group is going in the gate, I feel um, I feel bound to to help in any way that I can, and I would I would go and confront Iramil. Well, uh, we have seen Iramil in person before, and uh, kind of owe him a bloody lip. Yeah, he doesn't scare me. I've got this ball gag I've been holding on to for years, and I just need to put it back in his mouth where it belongs. (laughs) (laughs) It's still got teeth marks on it. (laughs) Is everybody ready to have their mind blown? Richter here probably knows Iramil better than anyone ever has. You know, it's it's true, though I knew him as Ramsey in particular. Yes, uh, I think... I would like to volunteer myself to be part of the group that would go to confront Irmiel himself. I will go wherever you need the biggest, the strongest storm fist. After my little sister, of course. Goddamn right. (laughs) Sir Bordemus stands up and he says, I would help in any way that I can as my duty as a knight. And then uh, Brinby stands up as well and says, "Uh, and I, I'll, I'll help anywhere that I can too. Darden stands up and understood one or two words that Tikra said and says in Ustranian, need me to make you bigger. <laughs> and then in Ustranian, Tikris will respond, see. Sí. <laughs> 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 Artists will say, if you say there's traps and things inside the fortress, I think that might I might serve pretty well in there. I'm pretty good at finding things and sneaking past them. Well, I am lousy at sneaking, but I got I, I'm I'm with you, buddy, and I'll help protect you, even though you're a miserable cuss and you always talk about your divorce. <laughs> Pop will stand up and say I I might not agree with everything you guys have done, but I know that stopping this inevitable is the most important thing right now, so I'm in. And I'm great at pushing buttons. <laughs> Push my buttons. Dang, girl. Did I say that out loud? <laughs> if we're all still alive, I can go over my rates. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Jessamine then speaks up. She's been kind of over there with Cyril, and she says, uh, uh, one, one more thing. Cyril said one more piece of information. Um, he says that um, the fortress, the Zord, um, the entrances are um, 
at the neck, at the top of the shoulders, left and right. He keeps saying, I didn't know Zords had shoulders. So we take the airships there, yeah? Or the Ripper Birds. Oh, I love Ripper Birds. <laughs> what about those uh, wolf wolf eagles? Do they fly? Oh, he, um, right. Yeah, he does fly, but he's he's still kind of a pup. I think eventually he'll probably be big enough to ride. But I'd probably have to be like I don't know, like a level seven or level eight ranger. And right now I'm only level four. That checks out. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so. The doorway at the bottom of the city or underneath the city, does it actually lead to the Zord? No, as far as I understood it, it actually, the Zord is secondary, right? So that gate existed previous. They built that Zord to to activate once the gate opens and stop anybody from trying to stop inevitability. But uh, the, the gate leads somewhere else, somewhere under, somewhere deeper. And the Zord itself has entrances up on its shoulders. Did I understand that all correctly? Are we all cool with that? Gerard, was that right? Did I recap correct? Oh, by the way, hey, everybody, this is Gerard. I, I'm glad that you're here. He helped out previously when uh, the, uh, um, during the attack on the Senate, and he also helped with Amavi, and he's been doing oh. great cleanup work here. But he's a merchant, and everybody's his <laughs> friend. And he might... We know Gerard? I've known I've known Gerard for years. <laughs> yeah, me too. I was always a great day when Gerard would come up to the village. Gerard has been in every village we've visited for the last five years. <laughs> <laughs> Gerard steps up. He's like, well, I feel like this is a great time to tell you guys about this business uh, idea that I've had, this business venture. Um, it, it's You can work from home, make your own. Your own You're considering my... Mustache cream. <laughs> it's a timeshare, uh, and you basically what, own part of the property. What they said is, you will become a business owner. <laughs> yes, yes. You can own your own business. Uh, no, he says. Um, for anybody who might need it, I I do have some wares that um, might benefit you, um, as well as some potions, that kind of thing. That's where I can help, my friends. I. Uh, I forgot how he talked for a second there, because I do such crazy accents. It's so hard to tell them apart. <laughs> yes. um, I do have some wares, some goods. Um, okay. Nicolette says, it sounds like we have the beginnings of a plan. Three groups, and she points towards the Snow Patrol, the JV team, and Nari and the boys. And anyone who would go with them. You hear, as you were all sitting there, you hear suddenly Cyril speak up again, and it is kind of choking and, uh, for lack of a better word, kind of of dying. Uh, He's kind of like, once the gate is open, Iramil will know, and his wrath is terrible. Yeah, but he filled out those apple bottom jeans so nicely. So nicely, oh man. It's like thick. He said his his wrath is terrible, not his ass is terrible. Oh, oh. That makes more sense. Yes, but but that man had a dump truck. <laughs> uh, 
Anyway. <laughs> no, so wait, wait, so you're saying his wrath will be terrible. Will there be, like, uh, repercussions within the city? Do we need to evacuate? Or do we need to have people on standing by to to uh, um, defend the populace? Or are you saying his wrath, like, him in person will, will come out and try to stab us or whatever? He, um, he, his voice gets quieter and quieter, and Jasmine is kind of listening, and then, then she speaks up. She says, uh, he says that Iremil and the heralds are not the only angels to worry about. Just the most powerful ones. Well, okay. So it sounds like three strike teams and then uh, other people are in reserve to, to, to fight off whatever else might be coming through. Any bosses. Ugh. Sanya looks over at Kira and then Kira nods and Sanya stands up. She says, the angel's might will help in any way that it can. Tigish kind of stands up uh, as sheepish as you've ever seen him. He's like, we, we are not fighters. Uh, we are bounty hunters. We are trackers. But Howling Talon will help in any way that we can as well. And then Nari says, and my axe. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think we can work out the details, you know, the, the specific details. But I think we have... Uh, we have a marching orders. When do we want to kick this puppy off? We shouldn't be kicking puppies. When do we want to kick this soccer ball off? <laughs> I think it, I think we have to go soon. Yes, perhaps we take a day to rest and provision and enter to get one final chance to, to sleep before we enter into the storm. So like a night and then we go tomorrow morning? Tomorrow noontime I like to sleep in no I think we go early I don't want to put this off I agree I do my killing after breakfast sorry that's a that's a back to the future quote <laughs> I like back to the future honestly we are kind of different time zones so I'm fine getting up early <laughs> As you guys kind of discuss when you want to be done, I mean, sorry, when you want to start this whole thing, when you want to kick it off and put that final key in, the meeting starts to break up. You see that the Ormex, um, Daffodil, and Jessamine start helping Cyril out, uh, and Sydney as well. Um, and you see that the librarians all kind of go their own way, except for Colby, he kind of hangs out. Uh, Brinby and Bordemus, they hang out as well as Kira and Sanya, as well as Tristan, um, head out uh, of the building and head back. Um, they are going to actually head back to their ship to sleep um, and not stay at Richter's house because that is uh, going to be a little too crowded. Um, you've got uh, Tigish says a, a quick goodbye to Roos and he says, um, I'm going to gather up as many as we can to be ready for whatever may befall this city. I'm, I'm worried about the streets and the followers, followers of Iramil. As am I, as am I. I tell you what, we will try to get as many Howling Talon embedded in with some of these groups uh, to help keep an eye on things and also to maybe be able to use stealth to our advantage if we can. Perfect, thank you. Like I said, we are not, we're not warriors. And he looks at you, he's like, we're not warriors. Oh, I know. I am definitely out of my league here. But I... says the the winner of the Super <laughs> Smash Brothers. <laughs> yeah, it's not canon. It's not canon. 
Um, everyone kind of starts to disperse. Gerard and Porthos leave. Um, Jasper we, Really quick before we all disperse, yeah. did we have a place where we were going to like meet and then like everybody to your positions or were we just going to say at this time was kicking off? We're going to huddle and say, go Pavantis. <laughs> Why don't you guys say you guys are going to meet at the um, Cathedral of Irmiel? Just outside the Cathedral of Irmiel before everything starts. Does that work? Works for me. Sounds yeah, good. let's do it. Very good. So everyone starts to kind of disperse. Uh, the only people left are uh, the three groups, as well as Colbury and Bordemus and Brinby. All right. So um, I know that the JV squad has a chest full of goodies. I think they actually have a couple of goodies for uh, some people. Before we came here, we actually um, raided a, a form of thief, thief's uh, treasure stockpile. And we have some things that might be useful for these uh, few strike team members. We, I just want to clarify that when we raided this, we did not tie anybody to a uh, giant wolf or anything. <laughs> oh, honestly, it was already ours. We won it, right? Because we freed uh, Jorah Michael. We freed people fair and square. If anybody needed a weapon to defend themselves, like you gave it to them freely, right? And like just like casually threw it at the ground at their feet. <laughs> Remember, uh, I hate you. <laughs> uh, Artist will say, if you want anything in it, just take it. And he's going to just walk away. <laughs> he does not like Roos. Ember's going to reach in and grab a cloak and say, Roos, was it, right? Your friend Nari has told me that you've struggled with fashion for quite some time and i thought this <laughs> this might help you a little um uh, okay i didn't say that exactly but we were all thinking it i, I mean i did say that yeah <laughs> yeah i did. I did yeah i just all right all right no i get it guys i get it Strug- struggled with fashion has terrible fashion choices really 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 poor dresser whatever something like that <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe somebody maybe somebody can help me out with my wardrobe after all this is done. But thank you for the cloak. <laughs> Artist looks at his overalls and like <laughs> farmer's shirt and he's like, you could always try dressing like me. <laughs> oh, one more. Th- I forgot. Master Samon is still there. He's going to hang out as well. Um, he winks at you, Roos. <laughs> hey, is there a cloak in there for me too? Gimme, gimme, gimme. Tigris went over to the chest. And pull out a cloak as well and put it on. It's like it's it's like it's emerald green and kind of shimmery. It looks like like um shiny fabric, like just a big shiny piece of fabric you get at the at the fabric store. Um uh, like no no adornments or anything, but he puts it on and then he goes, Hey Adressa, check this out. And then it billows behind him dramatically. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with my family. It makes me more and more happy. I left the mountains. <laughs> <laughs> Darden nods his head and says, "Is now the time you want to be bigger?" Oh no! I say we're we're going to go into a shoulder at some point, and then I guess you make me bigger, and I will like uh, break. I don't know are there tendons, <laughs> ligaments, billow, billow, billow. Andressa <laughs> oh. kind of just blushes a little bit. Out of embarrassment or out of love? Who, who's to say? 
The awesome. heart is a strange creature. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she knows. <laughs> um, artists will notice that uh, Pine has been using a cane to move around. And he'll say, Hey, uh, no. <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey, old man. There's a, where's my accent? Okay. <laughs> Tigris will say then instead. <laughs> Tigris will say, hey, old man, there was also a cane in there that I saw that might be useful for you. It's very, it's very pretty. And Pine will go look and he'll see, he'll see a cane that is like this uh, fire hardened wood um, with an ornate, like almost black crystal um, handle head that's shaped like a raven. That is magical. So Pine, Pine will replace his cane. Oh, very cool. No more hickory. And by the way, you know, I didn't role play replacing his cane every couple of months, but he has been getting new canes all the time. All right. Oh, very cool. All right. Um, so you guys are all kind of gathered around here, um, just making a couple more last minute plans, I would imagine. Uh, you've got Brinby and Bordemus and Colbury, who are kind of volunteering to go with you guys. Um, so then it just becomes kind of who goes where. Well, I think, um, Colbury, you already volunteered to go down, uh, down underneath the, to the gate with us. And, and, and Master Samen, you and your acolytes were also going to come down there. So I think that, uh, that team is pretty much squared away. Master Samen, perhaps we can talk strategy and get prepared for tomorrow over some drinks tonight. Um, uh, make a, um, persuasion check. I'm not great at this. Ruth's got a 15. Noise. Maybe, maybe one, one drink. Yes, of course. And uh, maybe we can do something about those pants. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, they, they look great on you, but they'd look better on the floor. Ruth <laughs> oh. <laughs> blushes hard. And then, and uh, Tigris immediately turns to address and, and says, hey, those pants look great on you, <laughs> but they would look even better on my floor crumpled up. Oh, oh, every time you just can't figure out anything. <laughs> nice, oh but it was so smooth when he did it. Yes, yes, it was smooth when he did it. You're so good with the ladies. Tigris flexes and smiles. <laughs> flexes. And Adressa is not he dreamy. This is why he's the leader of our village. <laughs> No, it's okay. I am a fantastic specimen of a storm fist, but I am also very humble. <laughs> I've always said that about you, Tigris, always. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. Hey, um, uh, Tiny was your name, right? Tiny Brinby, Brinby, the big one with the horns. Yes, you can call me Tiny or Brinby, it does not matter. I call you Brinby unless you prefer Tiny. Um, I think because... The the team down in underneath the city already have a very tall person, and our our team already have a few very tall person. I think maybe you go with the other team that has no very tall person. <laughs> he looks across the table <laughs> at the JV team and he says, "I think that would be best." <laughs> <laughs> and then Bordemis kind of like goes. Well, um, I I guess that means I'm with you, fellows. Yes. 
All right. Well, very cool. It looks like you guys have your teams all squared away as this meeting here in the high house has ended. Are you guys okay with those teams, by the way? I just kind of, I've made a joke about being tall. <laughs> no, that actually No, yeah, I good. think it's totally good. It's fair. So, it's so, fair. so what you've got then in Brinby, you've got a damage dealer plus he's got a few extra skills that allow um, other people to attack as well. Bordemis, damage dealer, but also has some healing. Darden and Ember have good heals as well, so. Well, he's, he's basically a paladin, so. So what and you're then, saying is we probably should have had Bordemus come with us because we don't have any real good healers. <laughs> and Colbry's a wizard, right? Colbry is a wizard. Yes. Hop's a paladin. He he doesn't have anything super great. He has like cure wounds and. Well, the lay on hands too is a huge pool of healing. That's true. And we have Gigi. I mean, she's got little potions and potions. That's, yeah, true. that's, that's true. true. I think we're set. Yes. What was that voice? <laughs> <laughs> you all kind of wander back towards uh, Richter's home. Colbury and Saman, as well as Bordemus and Brinby, they all come with you as well. Uh, the house is packed. It is full of uh, discussion, some quiet corners where you are discussing uh, strategies and uh, potential uh, potential things that might happen. Other corners are much more loud and boisterous and wine is flowing. You get uh, people moving from one side to the other, um, sometimes somber, sometimes worried, sometimes just celebrating being alive and being around all these people. I would imagine some hatchets might get buried just a little bit, um, but others are maybe some grudges are a little too too uh, deep to just uh, get over in one night. Um, regardless, you guys stay up. Um, I wouldn't say too late. Um, some of you stay up later than others. Um, uh, we'll say Samen and Roos. You can tell Roos that Samen, he does like you. Um, so that is nice. He leaves around uh, right before midnight and heads back to Ye Old Otter Inn um, to get some sleep with his um, acolytes. <laughs> you always laugh. Um, and uh, Colbury wants to discuss um, what he's found about um, inevitability. It's all kinds of things that you've already learned or pieced together on your own, but he wants to go over some things. Um, he shows you some of the spells that he's been working on. Um, and uh, you find that he is definitely more powerful than he was when you went into the ancient facility way up in the glass mountains. Will he ever tell us his real name? Potentially. As you all kind of find yourselves going to bed at different times or in different places, um, Tikris falling asleep on the floor in front of the hearth, I'm sure. Um, it is, uh, it is the next morning. And we have the Snow Patrol with Bordemus. We have the JV Squad with Brinby. And we have Nari and the boys with Colbury, as well as Saman and his acolytes. You all meet up in front of the Cathedral of Iramil. You give some last words of encouragement. You clasp hands. You say your goodbyes. The lords preserve, the ladies protect, and through balance, victory. That is echoed by multiple voices. Hear, hear. As uh, 
the JV team and the Snow Patrol go off to find their conveyances towards the uh, statue, we have Nari and the Boys 2.0 with Colbury and Saman and the Acolytes of Lord Laramie head down through the cathedral into the basement tunnels and back to the uh, chamber of Amavi. We are so dead, guys. <laughs> it's gonna be no. brutal, man. Like we get, we each have the experience. We each have the possibility of experiencing three character deaths in the next few episodes. <laughs> you approach this wall, this wall that has five crystals and four keys. You see the last keyhole, the one that's up at the top by this white crystal that is on the cusp of being full. This air crystal of Trophos. Nari, I believe, has the... No, Richter has the key wrapped in a handkerchief. Yep, I do believe so. Okay. Pulled from from Tigris's jockstrap. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's what he referred to as the pocket close to his crotch. <laughs> his jockstrap. <laughs> the pouch you're supposed to put the cup in. That's not canon. <laughs> Richter, you are... Um, you're standing in front of this wall with this key. Let's do this. Richter goes ahead and slides right on in, gives it a old twisteroo, pats it a couple times, gives it a little peck, and says, let's do this. You take that key, you put it up to the hole, and again, as has happened multiple times before, the key is thunk, pulled out of your hand like a magnet pulls it out, and it gets stuck into the wall. And instantly, you feel the ground start to shake, not violently like an earthquake, but like something is moving. And you can't quite tell what it is. As you are standing in this chamber and the chamber starts to vibrate a little bit, um, as uh, after a while, you guys get the impression that this room you are in is rising up. It's rising up to street level. JV Squad and Snow Patrol, as you guys are uh, mounting up on Ripper Birds and uh, getting onto an airship, uh, suddenly you can see the uh, the angel atop this tall tower out in the bay. You suddenly see it start to um, glow. You see two distinct lights. You see a green light shining from the eyes of this statue. Not like piercing beams, but just glowing like uh, like there's green fire behind the eyes. And you also see that parts of the statue start to crack and slough off and fall down into the water of the bay. You see that these wings on the back of the statue um, it has two wings, big wings. You see that it the wings actually extend and unfurl. Not like they start to flap, but they extend and they unfurl. And um, it splits into six wings, which you remember. Well, actually, you don't remember, but Nari and the boys would know that Iremiel, the angel of inevitability, actually had six wings. Two up in the shoulders, two in the, like, below the shoulder blades, and then two kind of below that, two smaller ones below that. This statue spreads its six wings and chest glowing, eyes glowing, stone falling off of shoulders and head and legs. This statue, it does not walk, it does not move. The only thing that moves are its wings, but it does 
lift up off this tower in the bay and it floats about a hundred feet above the tower where it once sat as the angel rises and the lights glow in the eyes and in the chest suddenly underneath the streets you see houses actually sorry above the streets you see houses starting to shake and shift and crumble and fall to the side as something comes up out of the ground pushing buildings aside and before you know it it opens up into fresh air nari and the boys and colbury and master Saman are now standing at street level right on the edge of the cliff looking straight out at this glowing floating angel and as the room that you're on with this ziggurat and this obelisk pops up to street level you see out in the bay that the water starts to shift and move and swirl and this causeway this this road this uh, bridge comes up out of the water and uh, connects from right where you are standing straight out into the bay and to the base of the tower below the angel statue. Nari and the boys, as you see this causeway rise up out of the water, you can see that there are these little um, kind of outcroppings along this causeway. This is like, it's right above the water, um, but you see that there are these glowing torches or crystals or something and that the right side of the of the causeway these crystals are glowing green and the left side of this causeway the crystals are glowing red as you are um, staring at this causeway um, you actually see that there is a figure standing actually not standing, walking down the causeway away from you, being bathed in green and red light. And as you peer and look, you see an old figure moving with a hobbled gait, um, a uh, threadbare robe on. And uh, at one point, this figure turns back to look in your direction and you recognize the prophet Mordecai the doomsayer who was way back in Tabori, and then you saw again here in Almar, is moving down the causeway towards the end of the causeway and this tower beneath the angel. One last thing that you see as this causeway comes up, you see that there are some of these um, acolytes of Iramil, these zealots, these true believers, and they see Mordecai moving out across this causeway and they rush to follow him. And before you can stop them or get in their way, they rush out. And as soon as they get bathed in the red or the green light, they start to disintegrate. Their bodies start to melt and kind of dry out and turn to uh, turn to a husk and uh, catch on fire and um, deflate all kinds of crazy, uh, unbelievable ways to 
to die these zealots are experiencing as they are bathed in this light. Nari and the boys, you are far enough back on this causeway. You are not being bathed in this light, but you can see that some of these defense mechanisms uh, are in play and they do appear to be very, very powerful. We see a Nazi dude with glasses and a black hat whose face melts. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. And the last thing that you see is you see uh, Mordecai approach the base of this tower where this causeway leads to. He puts his hand up against the wall and it opens as a door and he steps into the tower. And this is where we are going to stop for tonight. Holy crap. We are not doing well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we have Nari and the boys ready to take this causeway. We have the Snow Patrol and the JV Squad. It's the Rainbow Road. Ready to kind of, if it's all Christmas colors. Um, uh, <laughs> ready to take the fortress, the Zord, um, and shut down whatever um, powers... <laughs> I'm so sorry for saying that. <laughs> whatever powers are protecting um, the tower. Um, but that is going to have to wait until next time. Guys, this is, this is it. This is the end. <laughs> oh, man. This is the end. Feel it in my bones. So next time we get together, um, we'll see what happens with this Zord and this tower. Um, but don't forget, we do have a Patreon. You can go check out some of our bonus content. We have outtakes. We have a wiki and maps. We have um, some uh, bonus episodes where we talk about our characters, that kind of thing. Also, don't forget that we have a Discord so you can come and chat with us and uh, you know share your insight and... Uh, some, maybe some fan art, maybe some theories, but it's just a great community over there where we all just kind of uh, laugh and talk about the podcast and anything else that uh, we want to. Anyway, until we get together next time, we hope you guys aren't too stressed and that you have a great time. <laughs>